Hi and welcome to another episode of One and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Hi guys, how are you going? Yeah, awesome, mate. Good afternoon. Okay, Cam, you might want to start it since you wanted this topic. Actually, (laughs) a bloody good topic. Yeah. All right, so we've got to start each week now with a disclaimer, and that disclaimer is that we're doing a show for entertainment purposes and the opinions held therewith may not be the actual opinions of the people appearing on this show, so don't hold it against us. We've got to debate both sides of the argument. We've got to have more than one point of view. Some of you may not like it. We don't overly care, but don't hold it again. Is that how the disclaimer is meant to go? Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. I like that one. Is that right? <laughs> it's, it's how it should be. It's how it should be. It's absolutely. We don't care. We don't care. We don't All care, right. but just know that we're here to discuss the topic. So, how is everyone? Lou, Louise Fleming. Port Macquarie Foster Welcome, welcome, Louise. Thank you. Welcome. I've been waiting for this opportunity. Oh, oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. We 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 in the hunt for we set a, a low bar. who's gonna take who, who, who's gonna be able to handle this bantering, so we'd see. Yeah, well, you've got me. You've got me. All right, all right. Is it raining up there up in Port Macquarie? It's about to, it, you know, I've just come back from Foster actually along the highway and I can tell you looking out to that west, it's yeah. uh, pretty nasty. It's about the colour of your shirt, Thomas. We, um, <laughs> we run Wine and Wisdom a bit like the real estate industry, Lou. It's a very low entry requirement. Oh, <laughs> it what office. Sorry, it's all good. You did your your 24-hour ticket, mate. You can open an office now. Well done. Congratulations. (laughs) All right. So let's start. Let's start first. So what's your motto, Luke? I can see it. You you actually started Big Bang. Big Bang. Yeah. Big Bang today. I've already got it open, so letting it have a little breather. I'm on the Penfolds. Yeah, Penfolds um, Shiraz, South Australia 2019, the Maxes. Yeah. So, you know, I thought special occasion deserves a special drink. I like it. I'm sure okay. you guys have already had multiple. Am I right? We've, we've already had that one. We've already we've, had that one. But it doesn't matter. That's all right. No, it might not be the same year. It might not be the same year. So it doesn't matter. That's, so Chris as long as it's not the same year, it's fine. The okay. rule of Chris. What's that? What's Chris's rule? Bring the same wine every week. And oh, shut up. I did it once. Maybe three times. There are things we can't do, which is bring the same wine uh right um, two weeks in a row yeah and or, or 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 rate our own wine on vivino those are some of the rules that we can't do okay okay there's also another rule where thomas makes all the rules and, oh. and that's the rule that i know change from week to week that's rule number they, one so. they get upgraded weekly and added to and... <laughs> anyway. well, there's anyway. never a notice period you'll find out on the day we did have a competition, right. so it would be very good to have a look at the scoring of the other bottles that we have. <laughs> right. So let's start with Chris Dinola's bottle. Hang on, there was no competition this week. No, that's what we said. 
Oh, I thought he said there was competition this way. No, uh, there's no, no competition. Thank God for that. Because yeah. mine, I think my wine was, um, no, I better not say too much in case the makers are listening. Um, it's a Carrotton Burge. Oh. Uh, it's a nice wine. It's a 2018 uh, Cab Shiraz. Uh, it's nice enough. It's drinkable. Good wine. Good for vinegar. <laughs> I mean, good wine. It's... <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, the specials you buy a mixed dozen for $100 delivered to your door. You get some gems in there and it seems pretty good. Where, where's that winery from? Tell it again. Uh, it's called Carrington Birch. It's from the Barossa. Nice. Um, and it's a 2018, couple of bit of bit, a few years to it. Yeah. Um, I did try a glass last night because I knew, knew it wasn't a competition. But uh, yeah, it's nice. It's a nice wine. Nothing cool. to ride home about, but it's nice enough. There's a weight loss competition going there, mate, if you're drinking every night. No, not every night. I didn't say every night. I tried a glass last night. It's all right. I've, I'm down. I've only got 500 grams to go to meet this week's ah, performance. That's good. That's good. That's, uh, we, we had to reach it by, by when? By Sunday, isn't it? By Sunday. Yeah. Easy. I lost a kilo yesterday. It might be stress related. We haven't we haven't worked out yet. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm You're down right. 1.8 kilos in two two days. So I but can... a lot of size here, mate. What two good craps from you and your bloody a belt size goes down. <laughs> All right, mate. What about your bottle, Ken? And I put two kilos back on. I have a Robert Mandavi. God, I can never get the camera right. Uh, American one? Yeah, it's a California 2019 Chardonnay, a very original name called Buttery Chardonnay. So, oh. um, <clears throat> that sounds very good for the waistline. That one does. Yeah, we love our butter. <laughs> uh, some people like oaky Chardonnays. I like a buttery Chardonnay. So, there's oh. been, we've had some good ones from the um, California region. So, nice. Sounds interesting. Yeah, and is, is it one of those ones in uh, bourbon um, barrel? No, or? this one wasn't. Uh, this is French and American oak, this one. Okay. All uh, right. It wasn't. You can get them. They do some in the aged in the bourbon barrels now. Uh, Pepper Jack. Pepper Jack do a, a bourbon barrel one. Yeah. Double, double barrel bourbon barrel. Double barrel, yeah. yeah. Mm. Nice, it's nice. Good flavour to it. I got what they call once and well. <laughs> once and well. Margaret River, 2020, Chardonnay. Uh, so this, this winemaker here, the reason it's once and well is that it's coming from his dad who said that, you know, if you do it once, you do it well. I was about to say. I was about to say. It's yeah. one of the... So the... he decided, hey, that's going to be the label. And then it's like... I frequently use that line in real estate, actually. Do it once, do it well. <laughs> oh, I prefer when a deal falls over three or four times, mate. You get this <laughs> practice, you know. Margaret River is very, very good for Chardonnay. Yeah. Uh, it don't have to be old. I don't All know right? if that's going to come up very well, but it's a very different colour, this one. It's a bit lighter, isn't it? It's, it's quite, actually, it's more, it's... Uh, no, more it's a, almost a brownie. Uh, haven't had enough to... Drink kind of. Oh, it is, isn't it? Interesting. Cheers, Cheers guys. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome, Lou. Cheers. Thank you. Oh, it's buttery and it's Chardonnay. Good name. It's delicious. This is delicious. So, well, when we're competing, the budget's $50. Denola, you've spent $4.20. <laughs> if you're lucky, with postage. 
Mine was, I spent 20 bucks. EL, yours, judging by that label, mate, it was about $14.30, I reckon. 25 bucks. And mine we know, yeah, 20, Max is 25 on special. Oh, wow. That's yeah. normally a $45 bottle. I know. I did well. I'm good there. Mm -hmm. All right, let's just use a subject for this week. A really tough one, Cam, but I have to say really good one. I, um, I, you know, last week we spoke about it uh, at the end. I thought, oh, no, what, what am I going to talk about it? But it turned out to to be a very good subject. I, I learned a lot of stuff in that. Um, good topic. You want to start it, man? Yeah, well, and I'm hoping a couple of people who recommended we talk about it are watching so they can have an input. Um, Marie and Wendy, uh, voluntary euthanasia, which... Okay. Much like UTL, even though I was suggesting it as a topic, I wasn't, one, I'm not across a lot of it, and two, it, it, I didn't know how much of an opinion we could have or how much there was behind it, but um, there's quite a bit. Yeah. There's quite a bit of for and against. Um, I guess before we start taking different sides and trying to uh, investigate all angles, what, just very, very quickly ring around the room for or against Danala. For. Lou. For it. Thomas. For. And I'm for. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> don't worry, Thomas usually stuffs up the first recording, so we'll run this again in five minutes. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not strange because if you really look around for the moment, it's between uh, 80 to 90% support, mm. right? It is, and yet it isn't across the country. It isn't legislated, which is, I yeah. think... Um, I think the reason and the timing came up because the time it was recommended to me was about the time we got a new premier. Our new premier, New South Wales is the only state that hasn't legislated for it yet. Yep. Um, and the new premier is dead against it because of his religious beliefs. However, to his credit, he's going to allow a conscience vote amongst the politicians, which, which is a good thing. But um, I think it had a few people worried when he came in that he, he wouldn't go there when the rest of the country, apart from ACT and Northern Territory, where the Commonwealth has blocked it. Um, yep. Yeah, assisted dying, eh? What a, I've been dying to talk about it, but um, it's illegal in New South Wales, so I, I couldn't. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What, what's your... What's your sort of concept of assisted dying is it because there's a few different varieties right it, it sounds it sounds strange saying varieties but there's a few different methods or names that they call it there's um assisted voluntary involuntary and then uh, medically something or other there was four different types i saw i think we're physician assisted dying isn't it that's it physician assisted mm, yeah I think the general term voluntary euthanasia means the right to kill yourself if you see fit. Yeah. So if we put it all into that barrel to start with, yeah. should should people have the right um, medically for medical reasons or, or otherwise to yeah. say goodbye? Look, um, myself, I've seen people suffer over long long, long periods of time and slowly get worse. And I've seen puff people shut, suffer for a short period, 
where it was taken out of their hands altogether. But on both scenarios, as loved ones, it's never easy to say goodbye to someone um, that obviously yeah, a family member, it's, it's never easy. So on the other side of it, we, we support the people wanting to take their life, but on the, you know, in a nice way, in a, in a um, respectable way. Being on the other side, it's never easy, but you have to respect the wishes of your loved ones. Mm. It's, it's a very hard thing to sort of, to come around. It took me a while when, um, when I had to do it, it was, it was quite hard. Mm. What do you mean you had to do it? New South Wales, it's not legal. How can you be doing it in New South yeah, Wales? But, but look, my mum was sick for a very long time, mate. And um, in the end, she said, next time I get sick, don't let me get better. She said, you mm. keep me comfortable. And that's the only thing we could have done. I suppose if she wasn't so religious, because she was one of these religious people, she probably would have decided maybe to have shortened that lifespan. But she got to a time where she spent many, many, many years in a lot of pain. Um, I don't want to bore people with details, but she said to us once, she goes, I've signed a do not resuscitate. Mm. All, no extreme measures whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and she got sick quite quickly at the end with a, with a virus that she had and uh, the virus eventually took it. But that took, luckily that took seven days, I think seven or eight days from memory where sometimes people live in that state for years, mm. which is, so for me seeing that short period, but knowing she, how long she had suffered, it's like, thank God that she's going to, that the pain's going to stop. But someone who's got like, for example, ALS or, you know, terminal cancer or, or, or whatever it may be, man, that's got to be hell. Hmm. Yeah, well, the pain is hell, but apparently the worst one is dementia. Apparently the, the losing a loved one to dementia is probably one of the worst thing that you could go, be, even above cancer. I, listen, I, I had the privilege to sit down with a young lady who spoke to me a, a little bit about um, the value of uh, voluntary euthanasia and because she had experienced that as a younger child with, with her own uh, parent and she said to me a very very good line when she said Do you know when we have a, a dog or cat coming to the end of its life and it's suffering it's okay to just let it go but it's a funny thing that, you know, when it's your own mother or your own, some, someone you love and you need to do it, well, the law says you can't. That person, yeah. needs, right, that person needs to go through shots of morphines, right, one after another, which is actually going to shut the body down anyway. It's going to take longer, more suffering. And it really, you know, I, I, it really starts shaking me. So I did quite a bit of research and, and, and start looking into that a little bit more afterwards. But we, we have the right, if we were in hospital, we have the right to say, I don't want any food, I don't want any water or medication, right? right. Which means I, I am doing voluntary, some kind of, right? Uh, yeah. But I can't just do it the other way. No water, no food, no medication. Mate, that, that's going to be a lot of pain. So... The, the, the hospital system, be these doctors who sign, uh, who swear by the Hippocrates uh, law, they, they're okay to just let you die in a cruel way, but not in a compassionate way. Yeah, 
And and if you, you know, want to die, you got to pay. What do you mean you have to pay? No, that's what they get. They're saying if you want to kill yourself, that's fine. We'll let you, but you're gonna. We're mm. gonna take our. We're almost gonna take our pound of flesh for the, for the process. We'll let you starve yourself. We won't give you a pill that, lets you fall asleep they, and never wake up, but we'll let you starve yourself. They, I know. That, I know that they will alleviate pain during that process, though. They they will administer morphine. Uh, so they and they. Um, but the one thing, if you ask, there's there's no fluid drips. Um, there's it's only pain relief that you'll get during that time. Um, but it, it can be a slow process. Well, guys, I think you know. If anything, I can probably talk pretty emotionally about the whole subject, having lost my grandmother three weeks ago. You know, yeah. the the thing that I I struggled with was she was exactly that in hospital. Um, because of COVID, we couldn't see her. Because of COVID, no family was allowed to be there with her, you know, and it was really, really tough. But exactly that, what, what you were saying, Thomas, they stopped feeding her. They couldn't give her food or water, not even in a drip, because it would prolong the process. They continually dosed her with morphine every four hours. She lasted three days without food and water before she eventually died. And the thing that I can't get my head around is, and I know you've all obviously done some research and whatever, and as have I with recently going through it. Have you guys looked into and heard of the doctrine of double effect? Okay, no. so the, okay, so the doctrine of double effect is where, because it is illegal, euthanasia, voluntary euthanasia is illegal, okay? So you can't assist nor can you self-take your life okay do you see what i'm saying but the the doctrine of double effect is where morally a physician doctor can do something morally good even though they know that the eventual outcome is bad as long as their intention was in the right place so in other words they gave her the morphine knowing full well it would kill her as long as Morally, their intent wasn't to kill her, but it was to stop the suffering. I cannot see how that is anything but euthanasia. Like how, how? But that's the law in which they can do this without it falling under euthanasia. And yeah. what really frustrated us as a family is my nan never wanted to be, she wanted to die with dignity. She didn't want to die in a hospital alone. She was always fanatical about her hair and how she looked and whatever else. So in her dying day, she looked terrible, you know? And it was so hard because all we wanted to do was to bring her home knowing that she wasn't gonna pull through, but we weren't allowed. And what I can't understand is why we couldn't just bring her home if they were gonna continually dose her with this morphine to alleviate the pain, knowing full well it was killing her. Why couldn't we have just brought her home and had somebody come to the home and do that? And she could have died with us, you know? It's just so hard, but in my mind, it's illegal, but that process, the doctrine of double effect, is specifically designed to allow euthanasia in hospital without calling it euthanasia. Well, it's euthanized, but not voluntary. So the key word in what we're talking about is voluntary. You, can't, yeah, you but, can have it forced upon you, as yeah. you're describing there, Lou, but you can't choose to do it yourself. But you, can, you can kill, but you cannot leave peace. Yeah, well, you can. Yeah. Oh, you can't choose. You can't choose the way you want to. You can't. You yeah. don't get a say in how you die. 
But the other thing is, Cam, nor can we have um, physician assisted death either. But in a sense, providing morphine every four hours to alleviate pain is knowing full well the end result is death. It's, it's the same thing. So you can't have one or the other, but that was the only choice. Yeah. No, it's, it's really tough. It's a hard dementia. Thomas mentioned dementia. We, we had a family member of ours that died recently who suffered it for years and years. And um, I, I didn't get to see it, but unfortunately my wife did. His, his rare lucid moments, the only things that would come out were let me die. Yeah, wow. And, you know, he, he had a turn. He, he'd had it for years, but when he was 89 years old, they had to give him a pacemaker. They had to prolong his life. And they had to said, you know, if he got crook three months later when he was 90, we wouldn't have had to give him the pacemaker and prolong his life, you know. That, and not only, you know, did they have to prolong his life, but then they he couldn't get an extra pillow if he wanted a pillow because the quota for the hospital was one pillow per person. And he, you know, every time you checked on him, he was lying in bed with sores and blisters because they hadn't cleaned him or picked him up or... And, and yeah. poor Upper mate, but his his only lucid moments were they were very fleeting, but they were, I want to die, just let me die. Yeah. And, and you know, he had to go out the hard way, and it's yeah. a disgrace. And, and who makes that decision? Who makes who makes that decision? Let's say it was, let's say it was legal, and whether it was your nan or, or my my parents or. Um, Crystal's granddad was it? Crystal's granddad. Yeah, it was. Um, um, who makes that decision? And then what happens if if your power, of, you know, power of attorney or guard, sorry, guardian of, of a person, if the rest of the family disagree? You know, I mean, it's not an easy sort of decision to it's make. It's not an easy no, but the framework's not even there for that discussion to be had. That's exactly. And, right. and what and we're talking, we used a couple of examples of the elderly, and and the elderly get cop enough bad treatment in this country, let alone not being able to leave the planet peacefully. But you know, where we can cover all this stuff, but then you get into what ages, you know, if if a fifteen year old gets diagnosed terminally ill, um, do they still should they still have the same right as a as a nine year old to to end it there and then if they want to? Um, who who does make those decisions? And it's a it's that it is it's a messy messy topic, and it's it's probably hard to uh, simplify it down to everyone should have the right to choose. But that's sort of where we sit. So how do you then break that down into a way that works? Yeah, it's interesting because you know there is there is, as Cam said there is no framework and there is no real answer to that. I know in our experience, the doctors called Pop and said, you know if. If things turn bad, would you like us to resuscitate her? Which the answer was no, because she was clearly suffering. But there was no uh, question as to that. There, it was just had to be that way. There was no other answer. You know, it was this is it. It just had to be prolonged. Whereas if euthanasia was legal, I know as rest as well as the rest of my family that Nan wouldn't have wanted to prolong that any longer than it. it you know, if we knew on that day. And I haven't seen it myself, but my cousin said, who's got the death certificate, you know, that it talks about a cause of death, but it talks about a period of death in which the process began and ended. And it says four weeks, you know, so four weeks to me is just like, no, too long. 
So yeah. how then, so I'm stuck on dementia for a second, but it doesn't become voluntary euthanasia if someone who is not right of mind. That's right. Right. How, yeah. how, how does that even, how does that decision then even get made? Because then you run into the problem of, oh, well, we're here to be controversial. If a family member wants someone dead um, and can, and can expediate that happening for, for a variety of reasons, you can imagine the, the rabbit hole you jump into when you start going that way. So it's okay for someone shit okay horrible terminology but someone with cancer right who's still right of mind can make that decision can make that decision rightly mm. and and do it so that should be easier to figure out but how do you figure that out then for someone with dementia that it can't be a voluntary euthanasia can it because they they're not capable of volunteering that's right but i think what it comes down to with us and what we were strongly putting across was nan had said that her whole life you know I want to die with dignity. I don't want to go, you know, in these kind of ways or whatever. And I know it's something that probably wouldn't even, we could say it a million times and the doctors probably still wouldn't listen, but we knew. And I guess that's just the conversations we'd had. And I guess that's conversations that happen when people are getting older. Like Nan was not well. She had a new, she had a major um, heart operation probably six weeks before, which wasn't just a bite. It wasn't just a valve or um a stent she actually had a whole new valve placed in her heart which you know started the whole process unfortunately but she said then if if, if something goes bad let me go I don't I've, I've lived the best life I'm 81 years old I don't I've I don't if it goes bad let it go bad you know like yeah. we knew then but you know hmm. all right so so what what about now go, going into this we we have uh, our Premier Perotet announcing that we're going to, he's going to invest more money into the palliative care. What, what do you guys think about palliative care unit? Look, the voluntary... Is that, business? is that a business? Is that something that is really helping people? And I don't know, uh, spending more money into it. He's thinking, he's saying, you know, that unit deserves a little bit more uh, comfort and more... He, he wants a, the people going through the process to have more comfort. Well, that's uh, what that's what I need to know. Then, have you? Did anyone? Did you look into the figures, Thomas? How much does a dying person make the government? I don't know. It depends. Uh, is it one shot or is it uh, six, uh, four weeks that we uh, are keeping them alive? Well, I just, I just, I just can't. I don't know why I didn't come up with this earlier in the week. But we've just been through a period where the whole reason we all had to get this needle stuck in our arm was because the cost of hospitalisation for people who were getting a cough, right? But now he's pumping more money into keeping more people alive who want to die or should die. Mm -hmm. So which one is it? Do we is it is it expensive to keep someone alive or is it a money making exercise? And are they just using it to suit their own agendas, or is there is there a benefit to it? I don't. Mm. If ninety percent of the population is saying that they're in favour of voluntary euthanasia, then it's not a community driven thing that we pump millions of dollars into palliative care, which is keeping someone alive that there's a nine in, in nine out of 10 chance doesn't want to be a lot. And the other you know, thing is, sorry, on. Chris, I was just thinking, I was reading something up about the uh, statistics of when people get to palliative care and 
I think most of the time, don't quote me on the amount, but something like 85 or 90% of the time, the people that make it into palliative care are generally there for six to seven days. You know, very rarely does people last longer than that in palliative care. No, so what's so, Parate buying us? Better pillows? Or? Young or not? Because younger people, uh, they've got a bigger heart. They can actually last longer. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, I think we've got to be, that's part of the conversation we've got to keep in mind. This starts from people are dying from every age, right? So Exactly. Palliative care, we, palliative care, can we agree that it's going to be end-of-life care, right? That is the exactly. whole term for palliative care, yes? Yes, that's exactly what it Wouldn't is. Wouldn't that money be better off spent on the elderly that have quality of life, the ones that can enjoy elder, like an older life? And when is their decision to go, you know what, I'm now ill or whatever, whatever, they've now got that decision to say, okay, uh, I, I don't want a week, two weeks, four weeks of palliative care. I know I've got ALS. I know I've got cancer. I know I've got, obviously, they're not going to know they've got dementia. Do you understand where I'm going? Yeah. I think that money that he's putting on is a, that, sorry, that, that promise he's putting on is a, a vote grab. If he really wanted to get people's attention, spend it on the elderly that have quality of life that can enjoy themselves in their older year, their twilight years. Exactly. But is it a vote grab or is it for profit? Because if it's a vote grab, he's not reading the room very well because the whole country yeah, is moving towards... Yeah, you might be right. You might be right, legislating. And that's why I was wondering if anyone had done the figures on how much money does a palliative care centre make? Like, we know nursing homes are a fucking... The Jeff coming up, so he, he will know. So he, he will tell us because the Jeff knows everything. We know how much money is in nursing homes. That's the biggest scam. Or over 55s, for example, are the biggest scam known to men. So... Maybe palliative care is the same thing. Interesting. So, guys, what, what, what is it that we have a few states in the country that have now legislated it, and we still have Queensland. Uh, I think Queensland's uh, done. Queensland's done, mate. There's five Queensland's states. Done it. Yeah, New we, South Wales, basically. Yeah, New South Wales, what's going on? Well, that's what we need to find out. That's, so no one's done the numbers. I'll ask again. No one did the numbers? In terms of what, what numbers? How much no. money is to be made from keeping old people or keeping people alive? No, I didn't do it. Uh, to the doctor or to the hospital? Oh, to whoever's. Well, there's a reason other than God, right? The Parate is saying he's, he won't vote for it because of God, okay? So you there's got to be a reason other than God because we know one thing about the religious types. It's all good until there's a million dollars on the table and then all of a sudden it don't matter so much, okay? So. No, no, it's, no it's, it's, it's pretty big, uh, Cam. Uh, listen, I think that we, we all have, we... Through the times, we all have in our DNA that kind of thing that maybe there is a high intelligence. Maybe he, he does exist. I'm not so, saying God doesn't exist. I'm just saying that. I think while a room, a hospital room is probably between uh, eight and $10,000 now, it's probably going to be a bit more because not many people want to push that syringe. Not many people want to be uh, instrumental to giving that cup. And, and, and so this is also the fear, you know, you have, once you start that kind of process, I mean, how, what about doctors having their own conscience and saying, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm working for this organization, but there's no way you're going to force me to do this. So the, there's, there's an enormous amount of doctors who will go to a certain extent and stop. And there will be also a certain amount of personnel who would say, well, I, I would love to work uh, here, but 
You can't put me into a unit where people are going to ask for it because they're still scared of the day of the reckoning. And listen, if you have those kind of feelings about days of reckoning, you might want to read about the day like Lava who says you will come back as a worm, maybe. <laughs> and so you don't have to worry. That, that, that is how it's going to restart, okay? But let's, let's, stay, let's stay on, on this thing here. Is, is, uh, uh, is palliative care a business or not? Number one, we, who says a business here? Oh, it's only a massive assumption, but I'm going to say it must be a business. Otherwise, we'll right. have it. Okay. What about you, Lou? Yeah, I have to agree with Cam for the first time in my life. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Uh, I'm gonna, Cam's going to love me because I'm going to say I'm on the fence on this one. I don't know, mate. Mm -hmm. The reason I don't know is... <clears throat> I know the if you had to make a choice, Chris. If you had to make a choice, mate, if it was if there was no, I would say no. I would say no because trying to keep someone, I'm sure trying to keep someone alive, like artificially keeping them alive, that would be a business. But just making someone comfortable while they're dying, I don't think is, because they can make someone comfortable for a long, long time. My parents would both be still alive on machines today if it wasn't for for whatever reason. But who pays for the palliative care? The public system. Your taxes. All right. Okay. So now let, let, let's go to the next one. There's got to be a money spin. Let, let's imagine now that voluntary uh, euthanasia is going to come in. What about mental illnesses? Should we allow that to be part of the range? Well, that's what I was saying. How does someone, that's what I was saying about dementia. If someone, it can't be voluntary if you're not in control of your decisions. But what if you are in control? If you've long term, if you're long term depressed or uh, self harm, or um, and I just discovered this. The well, other there's, day, a, there's the, the other word for voluntary euthanasia is suicide, and that's usually where that ends up, isn't it? Right. Some of them don't want to do that. I saw a gentleman the other day. Uh, I was just doing a bit of research, and he suffered from a mental condition that racks his body with pain, and there is no physical sign of it but his brain sends out this signal and it's a mental illness. He suffered from depression. He suffered from uh, a few other um, ailments, but this one sent absolute agonizing pain through his body and he couldn't euthanize himself. He was from Canada. So he yeah. ended up committing suicide. That's yeah. what I mean. He, he could, that's what I'm saying. There's a voluntary. He had no other choice. He, he wanted to die with his family around, but he couldn't. Can I um, throw a curveball here? Love to. With the, information that I've been researching myself with regards to the physician assisted dying. So do you guys understand how that works in a nutshell? Yep. So for example, in America, if you are, and which is legal, if you want to um, have a physician assist your death, basically what they do is they write you a script uh, of potent drugs. You go home and you take it in your time on your day when you feel it's right. So here's what's happening with over there is the cases of physician assisted death has skyrocketed but what's actually happened is when the person who's asked for the physician to assist them in it once they have that script in their hand the power of knowing that they have the ability now to make the choice when they want yes. changes things and 80 or 90 percent whatever it was actually don't fill fill the script 
So you tell me mental illness. I know people are suffering, ter suffering terribly. And, you know, obviously there's a whole range of be it quadriplegia or cancer, dementia, whatever, but it's what changes in people's minds when they have that control, knowing that they've got choice. They have a choice. Yeah. You know, and that might be the smartest point ever made on wine and wisdom. I think so. You're gone. You're gone. You won't be back. No, but when, I, when I read this and I thought to myself, <laughs> we can't have this, boys. We can't have this. What have we done? You bought the girl. <laughs> no, but seriously, it, it actually lit something up in my mind where I thought, wow, isn't that just the thing that it, it how, how, Oh, how can I say it? Like how dramatic the change can be when people know that they have that choice in their hands. Freedom of choice. Freedom of choice, exactly. Freedom of choice. And, you know, when she said this, this um, physician said that majority of the scripts never get filled. It's just the people knowing that they've got that choice. They can do it, yeah. If they want to still, when they want to, they can, you know, and... I don't know. It changes things dramatically. And I just, I, that just blew my mind. And I just thought, you know, how, in some sense, how good would that be here as well? T.O., you never answered the business question first before yeah. you go on there. For me, I think it's a business. I, I think that at the beginning, it started as a mean to really give people comfort. I get that. Uh, but like everything like that, that human beings do, it's, it always starts from a very kind hearted, uh, desire to bring comfort to somebody else. Now, but can there be... It's become a business. Now, the fact that... Let's take Queensland. The fact that a Premier who wouldn't let people two months ago go and help be with their family while they were dying, the fact that they're now going to allow it, is voluntary euthanasia a business? No. No, because they didn't, they didn't die with consent. I, I think, you know, the... We, 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 we've so she's yeah. saying now you can kill yourself, but still none of your family can cross the border to say goodbye. Is that what you? Yeah, because killing yourself, killing yourself, as it's going to obviously kill you, and it's going to affect other people. But it's the choice you're making for yourself. By her allowing people over the border, is possibly going to affect a larger amount of people. No, I just meant two months ago. It's like she's allowed voluntary euthanasia, but she won't allow someone to cross the border to say goodbye to someone who's dying so i'm dry. i reckon they must be cashing it i think it's a it's a very funny thing you know because when, when you think about it there's all, the only purpose of government is to help us live a good life and make good decisions you know but you look at the way that the government has stuffed up with covid and or the handling of covid where they majorly stuffed up you, you would think, you know, they're going to have to stop. We're going to have to stop giving either government or people who are in the business of administrating drugs to really say to people like the four of us, you guys don't know anything because you're not physician. But no, we, we're in the business of having loved ones. Mm. And we know what our loved ones go through when they're really degrading. And we should, we know, I mean, not all loved ones want to do this. I, and I, I respect there will be loved ones who, because of religions, because of their beliefs, would want to say, I will go when God is willing to take me. I've got no problem, and I respect that. Mm -hmm. And I think that it, it is 
the issue of really respecting people's beliefs. Choice. And, and if, if I be, and I, I think that this debate about all of this legislation, it's, you know, this is about voluntary. It's not about compulsory. Whether it, it is there, it doesn't make you, Chris, having to go through the same process. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, and, and this is why in Belgium, they, they've gone a bit even further, Belgium and Netherlands being the first two countries and the only two countries who actually allow not only mental illness to be part of that uh, euthanasia uh, process, but also they allow young children to be part of it, you know, but, but they have a huge uh, process. For example, if you wanted to go through euthanasia as uh, because of mental illness, you have to go through a series, a battery of doctors. I think at least 10 of them, three of which have to agree. And out of the three, one of which has to be a psychiatrist. Mm. So if you're lucky enough, you have a dumb psychiatrist and two doctors who are willing to be having their pocket full of your money, you'll be fine. So Hopefully you don't end up with Jordan Peterson because the form he'd get you to fill out would be long. <laughs> <laughs> Long and wouldn't make a lot of sense, bro. No, no, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. I thought of Jordan's answer because I, as I was going through this, I thought, you know, what would Peterson say about? I'd let people kill himself, but the first no, have to fill out would be. Jordan Peterson is very simple. He believes that we need to really think things through mm. uh, because a lot of the time we people also make decisions about these kind of subjects and they don't think through the process. And I think that Jordan Peterson is about, if you're not going to think through the process, all that you're going to do is to actually create new problems. Therefore, you're only transposing issues that are here now into new issues. And in the meantime, you're costing enormous amount of money and, 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 and energy, but really not fixing anything. Because here's something, the question I, I really would like to ask before we get the Jeff on, because he knows the, the subject, so what about we now giving the let's let's imagine I have uh, someone who's got dementia and he's going to go through this. He signed a paper saying that you know this is what I want if it happens to me. And um, one one of the biggest form of abuse for the moment is elderly abuse. We don't know about it. We think about it's about women. It's about elderly, right? The the elderly are being taken. Uh, advantage by family members, people who've got mortgages and need the money now and, and would try and do anything, right? So, and the biggest abuse is, is always financial. So how do we stop that? How do we stop that the moment that we have this legalized, that we don't have people doing it because committing suicide, you don't get the insurance company to pay for it, but if you euthanize, then you, you do because it's legal, right? So how do we stop all of these things? And uh, I'm not really so sick, but I've got family wanting my inheritance. Therefore, you know, three or four of them are going to say, no, he's really sick. Yeah, that's what I said that earlier. It's a massive, how do you, especially with mental illness patients, how do you stop that from happening? I don't know. The, in New South, like in the Australian legislation that they've had, the, they call it the VAD, Voluntary Assisted Death, there's a criteria that you have to meet. Yeah. Um, and one of those, it's being um, conscious of the decision that you're making and not coerced. So the decision's not coerced. And it's actually a strict interview they go through and so forth. The, one of the other ones is your illness must be incurable um, uh, and long-term. 
Uh, doctors have to sign off on it, so forth and Actually, so Victoria, forth. Victoria, man. What are you talking about? It's Victorian uh, obligation. That's, that's the VAD. That's the legislation in Australia with the VAD, voluntary assisted death. Um, so there's quite a strict uh, process they have to go through to, to uh, you know, get to that point to be able to be issued um, the medication. Yeah, and they have to have made it known for a long period prior to as well. Like they said that somebody can't just decide today that that's what they want and, and have that happen next week. It's a long period. Pretty, pretty easy to fake a, uh, a signed bit of paper saying, kill me if I get sick. All right, I, because, think what, I think what will happen. Because we are not a, a podcast that is about just like being politically correct. <laughs> to something a little bit uh, incorrect. So do you think that maybe there's too many Christians in uh, New South Wales and then therefore they're trying to control the rest of the population because they believe that uh, life is uh, sanctified and, and very important to preserve? Therefore, do you think that the, the voice of a few is really like controlling the rest of the state? I think it's controlling the Liberal Party and the Liberal Party's run the state for a long, long time. That's the... Yep. The, the Liberal Party is world famous for being, well, it's getting less famous for being super conservative, but always religion is a part of it. ScoMo's a bloody Hillsong mm. born again, one of those, and and Peritet by his own Peritay, Peritay, you've got me saying Peritet, his name's Peritay, Thomas. <laughs> by his own um, admission is not voting on religious grounds. So if, if religion is running politics, then yes, religion the religion is deciding um, what goes on, and that's that's how we've run society. The Western society, especially, was built on religious rules, not on common sense rules, always or or ever. It was religions run, and I'm not saying that to be facetious to you, Chris, or anyone who I was raised a Catholic, right? So, um, that's not the point. But society, most of society's rules were born from a religious. Uh, religious front so and mate it doesn't it doesn't it's not just our society it's societies across the world i said western it's... western society is very yeah, but across the world it, when the islamic religion rules their um countries with their sharia law and so forth so and unfortunately religion has gone too far this is probably another conversation for another podcast but um absolutely religion is has dictated outcomes within our state absolutely it happened when we had gay gay rights, gay marriages and so forth, um, you know, the right for abortion, uh, taking your own life. There's, you know, lots of examples. It goes back to the making you starve yourself. It's almost as if, well, if you want to die, we're going to nail you to the cross and let you bleed out slowly, isn't it? We're going to do it. Absolutely, mate. Religion's gone away from where it should have been thousands of years ago and people have made it a freaking business and that's what it is. Religious people want to make money from religion. Simple. And those who are religious hide behind it when they need to make a serious decision. Right, let's, let's call in the uh, the Jeff, all right? Yeah. Let's call him in. Where are you, the Jeff? He's not in yet. He's connecting his audio. Jeff is connecting to audio. Yeah. He's my new best friend. He's my new best friend. He voted for me last week. Well, I love you, Jeff. <laughs> your points. If if anyone says a bad yeah. word about if anyone says a bad word about the Jeff this week, look out! You're answering to me. What if you say the bad word about Jeff? That's okay. I'm God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right here, Dominic Peretitz. Yeah, right here, no worries. Well, hello, Jeff. 
personally, well, welcome, Louise. Hey. Thank you. Just as I and say. It's, um, it's really. And you go on, Jeff. And, and also, she she, she she made, she made a you. nice comment that she's the only once that ever agrees with Cam. <laughs> yeah, doesn't okay. doesn't happen all that often, but um, on a few occasions we do. We've had a good old. We've had we we go good, me and Lou. After a few vinos, mate, <laughs> not much comment. <laughs> So did you, what, uh, what do you know about this week's topic, mate? Well, we should start off with it. This is a good news week. We shouldn't, this is a very heavy topic that you chose this week. Yeah, mate. Yeah, but um, look at the good news week. You know, we've, we've been debating and arguing COVID for the last um, weeks. Finally, we get these people now flying in and flying out of Australia. Isn't that a marvellous thing? Now that we're all double vaxxed and big, that's a big celebration. No, I disagree with you, man. No, I think you're wrong, Jeff. I disagree with you, man. It'll take because, you long, mate. Because we have a premier who's now changing the rules, and there's guys like us who, who are running businesses, who have organised stuff, and then suddenly he's changing rules on us, pushing things two weeks back. I think he made a hasty decision coming in. I don't know. It's a good week, Jeff. Because I'm not thinking, what else is going to change in about a week? Well, no, look, we've got people coming in from the UK. We've got people coming in from all over the place. It's a marvellous opportunity you know, for our economy to grow. I don't think it's a marvellous, mate. They've got plenty of COVID over there. Yeah, but we're all double packs now, except a few. <laughs> the, other, the other good news week. And you've got to admit, it was Perite, he's from the Hills District, Perite, isn't he, Jeff? He's your neighbor. <laughs> it only took you, it only took you 24 seconds to piss me off, mate. What are you? <laughs> we all and had also, to suffer. We all had to suffer through five months of inexplainable and, and unable to be believed rules and regulations for them all to just drop like that because he's like, Oh, I saw all the shit that Gladys copped, and I don't want to be a part of that. So now all of a sudden, now I feel sorry for all the people who aren't vaccinated because you thought you were free at 90%. Now it's 95%. Um, my, my feelings are with you, brothers, and now, now Jeff, the you're next, an idiot. Yeah, well, I'm not listening anymore. The next good news story was um, Cleo Smith in Western Australia. That, yeah. Was, yeah. that was the greatest Amazing. thing I've ever heard for a long time. Yeah, you know what? Now, now that you mention it, that Jeff I like. And you know what? Uh, this is what I'd say, even though I don't swear as much as as Cam. Thank you to all of you who thought it was her parents, right? Because yes. everyone's full of freaking uh, opinions, and here it is, right? So this is what I say: those people, if you know them, God, they they ought to be hangover, euthanized, whatever the subject of today. Can I ask you this, though, Thomas? Just on that, and I wasn't one who was saying it was the parents, but how many times has it been the parents? A lot. Since Lady Chamberlain, it hasn't been. It <laughs> was definitely a dingo, mate. It was definitely a dingo. But but it's a this is a fucking social media warriors. None of them would have walked up to the parents' face and said you did it. So all these tough pricks on yeah, fucking up. Facebook and my what an accusation to throw at people. Like mm. fucking hell. 
That's came out warriors for you, Mike. That's Facebook, but Meta is going to keep it on their freaking profile because yeah. also, to have it as a tattoo. That is disgusting, you know? It, 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 it shows me how many of us really have opinion, including us, right? And it, they, they have no concept. What, it's just the feel. It's just when I saw them on the video, the look on their face meant that they were, I mean, serious? Did you, how many years did you study or did you just watch a lot of neighbors to find it out? Mm. You know, did you find out to that stuff? People got, this, this is the joke. That topic, that's what made me happy. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really big uh, week for um, that sort of stuff. And I thought I want to just break up the um, momentum a little bit. But I'm happy to go back to the... Um, no, I thought that you missed out on another subject. I think that it is great for governmental, uh, parliamentary uh, and diplomats to now share with the common public like us. The SMSs. The messages that they have on SMS. <laughs> well, you know. I what think is- it's great that Dan Andrews is about to get powers to declare a pandemic whenever he wants and no one can say anything about it. I think that's fucking sensational for Victoria. You wouldn't be there for quids, would you? <laughs> I'll tell you where he's already legislated voluntary euthanasia. I know what's going to be happening in Victoria very, very, very soon. <laughs> The pills that they're not taking in America, Lou, send them down to Melbourne because he's 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 trying. That fucking little prick is trying. That sneaky bastard. He's he's like, you know what he's done? He's like, these morons keep voting for me. I killed eight hundred people in nursing homes. I completely fucked hotel quarantine. I've put them through seventeen thousand lockdowns for absolutely no reason. And I'm still here. So you know what? I'm going the whole way. I'm going to invent a law that gives me absolute power over everyone. Let's see how, see if the morons go for it again. I reckon they will. I reckon. <laughs> I, mate, yeah, mate, say what you want about Chairman Dan, but fuck, he's, he's talking about getting away with murder. He's gotten away with uh, over a 1,000 so far. A genocide, mate. He's getting away with genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to this topic of this week, which was serious to start with. We wanted to introduce you. What do you think about and what do you know? Well, firstly, any medical procedure, you pay for it, whether it's free and the government provides it, so it's Medicare or um, you pay for it by going to a hospital. So Mm. it is a business. It's clearly a business, palliative care. But But Chris is wrong. Yeah. The the thing is that um, you know, I, I while while you guys were you know talking about it, I did do a little bit of um, looking on Google. There's eighty four thousand patients requiring palliative care in Australia. So this is a huge need that we have here in Australia. Going to the legislation. You know, there's two countries in, in Europe that have agreed to it, Netherlands and Belgium. Oh. And um, the second thing is that there's only, I think, two states in the United States of America that have agreed to it and have actually legislated it. And, you know, we're still half the states here have legislated it to be, in, to be introduced in 2022, 2023. 
and we still haven't got New South Wales, ACT or Northern Territory. They haven't. ACT and Northern Territory are territories, just going to point that out. Five out of six, five out of six states have voted for, Jeff. <laughs> okay, Mr. Commonwealth himself. Well, the American thing I can write off straight away because they believe that bloody religion was written by on tablets that a bloke found under a tree. They're all Mormons over there, mate. So they're, they're, not, they're never going to vote for it over there. From Pennsylvania, maybe. But um, look, look, you know, I, th I think there's a greater need for palliative care, and I think it's nice to have a uh, nice to have a debate and a discussion about um, voluntary um, assisted dying. But fundamentally, we need to be actually injecting more money into palliative care. So you've just uh, agreed that palliative care is a business, yeah, right? And I, now you're saying it needs so, and now see, and now you're saying it needs more money. So what you're actually saying is we need more capitalization of over dying people. Yes. To, yeah. Yes, we do. What are you What's, thinking? We've got, we've got eighty-four thousand people in one year that require palliative care. Only because they're not allowed to kill themselves. Yeah, but a lot of people, even though they're terminally ill, do not want to kill themselves. How do no, you know, mate? They want to live. People, people. Okay. So here's a question, Jeff. Then why don't we just have those 170 million into helping them have a good life? Like, why is it we are depriving the elderly from really good amount of money? Why is it that every freaking government that is about to approach election time always, always? punishing the elderly, not giving the pensioner what they need, like breaking rules and forcing all the people who actually should be enjoying the limelight in, 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 in the uh, later years of their life, now having to change the, their plans, look at new ways because the government now is, is making new rules about taxing whatever they get, uh, reducing what they get on a weekly basis. Why don't we inject it in that? Because they are alive. Isn't it the right time for them to enjoy that money? Yeah. Okay, let, let's, 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 let's think that there's one bucket of money and you divide it up three different ways. We actually have voluntary assisted dying, we have palliative care, and we have general age care, okay? You should not take money from one of those buckets and put it into the other bucket. We need to expand that bucket. It's as simple as that. We need Why wouldn't we put it into aged care, mate? We need more money put into aged care. We need to make their life much more effective, much more better for them. We need to actually focus on um, focus on palliative care and really focusing um, Why, attention mate? to detail. Yeah. Why? 84,000 people require it. And Who are dying? Wouldn't that reduce? Wouldn't that number reduce if we looked after the elderly better? When why aren't we focused? Why aren't we helping the living? And if 80, 80 to ninety percent of people who end up in palliative care spend less than a week there, they're obviously that unwell. That yes. if we get the song, Jeff, week, the song's called "In the Living Years." It's not called "In the Dying Two Weeks." If we get <laughs> right? voluntary euthanasia at that point. Whether they're competent or not, we gave the, you know, if, if it's a known thing that they've, that is their desire at, at, on their deathbed. Say it loud. Yeah. Say it loud. But put it in perspective. Say put it in perspective. It clear. The money, 
the Imagine money is not being sent. To, money is not being um, put across to volunteers that are dying at the moment. Okay, so what we should—that—that's simply a discussion item. What does bureaucrats, social media, and so forth? Let them have the discussion, but at no time should we take money away from palliative care. At no time should we decide that the aged care should be actually restricted from monetary reasons as well. All right. Jeff, answer this for me then, mate. I need to understand because at the moment you're making as much sense as, as Kristen Ola. Um, oh, low blow. What, what, what will $170 million do to help people who are dying? I don't know what the government's doing with their funds. Exactly, mate. No, no okay. you're making a statement saying, give them money. You've agreed it's a business. One nurse will handle the needle, and then the other nurse will just do the injection, mate. Yeah, we can have more medication, more people, uh, more hospital They're dying. beds, more time. Um, the elderly should. It, should we invest more in the times when you're enjoying the rest of your life or right at that point of time when you should say goodbye because, because the money we're going to inject in is going to just prolong your goodbye by one week? Let, let, me, let me go back to Louise's comment. And, um, you know, it's uh, available in a few states in the US and um, she goes and gets the prescription made up and half of them don't want to do it or a percentage of them don't want to do it. So a lot of people, even though they're given the option, they don't want to do it. Yeah, that doesn't answer any of your questions. The questions, mate, we're saying why should we spend $170 million on palliative care instead of people yeah. who are I mean, still trying to live a good life? We're, we're not saying... I, we're building I, a new stadium. We're building a new stadium. We're building new roads and transport. You know, we need to actually develop our infrastructure. We need to actually develop our, our systems. You know, you can't just stop things and live in the dark ages. No one's saying stop. We're saying don't give $200 million to palliative care. Give it to people who have still got time on planet Earth. Exactly. And, and how do you actually say who's got time? Which people are we going to give it to? Well, okay. then they shouldn't be in palliative care, mate. Here's the, here's the other thing. You know, I had a conversation with somebody not so long ago and, and they were talking about being elderly, pension age, unwell not dying thomas? was it not, thomas no not dying but you know getting on in age okay and so they they could be here five years they could be 10 years but the point that they made is they they walk into coles today Woolworths, or any of those big supermarket chains and these people pay the same amount for bread milk peanut butter sugar we you know they pay the same amount for those items that we do Okay, now, in terms of making life better, easier, more comfortable, why, why does it have to be when someone's dying that we make it better? Why can't it be something that we start at an age, a, a, a younger age? You know, not necessarily, I'm not talking, you know, 50, but I'm talking possibly, possibly 70 or something like that. You know, why, why does it have to be when someone is, you know, actually dying or at that point that we, Try and make it better. I reckon we spend more money on keeping stopping people dying than we do on keeping people alive. Exactly. And they're two completely different things. And it's us up. 
Ass up. Completely, the other way around. Two completely different things. Everyone goes, well, we're saving, keeping people alive is keeping people alive. No. No. We all die. The minute you're born, you're going to die. You start dying the minute you're born. Exactly, Cam. And that's What is that saying, that, Jeff? Everybody dies, not everybody lives. That's why death is more universal. And, and, and this is what I, I always wanted to ask someone like you, because I know you, you know, you know uh, uh, quite a fair amount about this. But really, I see elderly who buy a chicken for the, the couple and they have to make the chicken last three meals. Right. Yeah. Do you, I, think, I think in many, many ways, it's imposed euthanasia on them. You know, I, I think it's when, let, let me predict what's, what they're going to get. And, and, and quite often, you know, these people, every election, they sit there and they think, this is my prediction for the next election. The elderly will have $2 increase to their pension. But That's a scratchy. That's a scratchy. The, 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 the cost of life will go up by 7%. I mean, this is how it's going to work. The, the electricity bill, I know of elderly who actually switch off the, 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 the heating system, lie in the bed, watch till it together under the doona because electricity is too expensive. I think yeah. that is disgusting. It is. What about we we work in real estate, right? How many times have you walked into an appointment and said, "Oh, they've said oh, I can't get that much money for my house, otherwise I'll lose all my benefits." Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. I'm only allowed 250 grand in the bank. I've got to I sell these three houses because I'm not allowed uh, have more than that, otherwise I lose all my benefits. So, if for doing so well in life, we kill them. But yeah. let's let's throw two hundred million after we've after we've decided to kill them because that's what we do. We decide to kill them by taking or making it so fucking hard for them to live on their wealth. Then it, we're going to keep them alive in that. It's so worth, ra ra rather than supporting them with electricity bills and eating and a little bit of food vouchers, you want to give them all a pill. No, I don't want to give them all a pill. This is you're talking about pumping more money into palliative care. We're saying people should have the right to choose whether they die or not. I agree with. Right to choose whether they go yes. to palliative care. Or what's not. what's actually going to happen? And, and what what, what, happens, to the, what happens to the eighty four thousand people that have chosen because of their terminally ill, incurable disease, pain, unable to be controlled at home? Unable to look after themselves, are we going to say, eh, sorry? How no. does $170 million help them? And I would like to know out of the 84,000 of them who actually want to go to palliative care. Well, that's, that's what the statistics were from the Australian government website. What does $170 million do for them, Jeff? Well, again, it's, it's about providing resources. Because that's over that's uh, over two million dollars per per. Ooh, no, hang on, I was going to give you very very wrong there. I've had too much wine. I'll back that up. Back that truck up. <laughs> that's way too much money per person. Twenty thousand, I think it is. But what does that do for them? It provides a, a, a sense of dignity in dying. How? Because they go. These to are all just these are cliches, mate. This is what Berejiklian's doing in front of ICAC. What is $170 million going to get spent on? Well, I'm not here to justify what the Berejiklian... But you're saying they should do it. No, I didn't. No. You're saying give them the money. But palliative care is I also, said, also... I said two things. I said two things. 
if you have a bucket of money that's been equally divided up between voluntary assist, palliative care, and also aged, if we need more money to support this three different buckets, we need to actually develop a larger volume. How, I'm, how not do, saying, how, I'm not saying how many of, stop, stop money from going to one area, then another area. I'm not saying that. How many of the 84,000 people in palliative care would say, please don't give us that money, give it to starving children or give it to um, impoverished people or give it to... who's struggling to pay for the electricity. Or people who are struggling to pay for the electricity. Some of those people might have been struggling to pay for electricity as well. You never know. How many, how many of the 84,000 are actually competent to even make that decision? That's the other thing. I think, look... Well, when they're in palliative care, they're at a very... Stage of life. Exactly. But there's hospital, hospitals so won't gives... turn them away at that point, Jeff. Hospitals won't point, turn them away at that point. If they're in pain and need care, hospitals will not turn them away. And, why and if should they, they do it, the family request, and then they go home and they usually get medication and daily visits to make sure they're comfortable. Am I not wrong, right in saying that? Yeah, but that's a daily visit. You, you think a daily visit by a nurse is going to really facilitate? the end-of-life care for a person but, that's but, very unwell? But, but it's either that or stay in the hospital and die. I mean, that's usually a choice by the family. We get, we're, we're talking about 80-odd thousand people in palliative care, and I just looked at it. We've got over 3 million people over the age of 70 in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Over 3 million people. I mean, so I think when you're on palliative care, I know I've experienced it twice, the hospital never turns you away. They actually are very empathetic to your um, plight and want to help with that solution. Um, both of my experiences were when they were much older. I would hate to be in the position, and I can't speak from experience, if someone was dying from a terminal disease and a lot younger. That may be different. I don't know. But I'm sure that doctors are issuing pain, pain relief and management and so forth through that system. Uh, would they not be? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Listen, I, I'll tell you, there was Tony Abbott, who was the ex-Prime Minister of Australia, said this in one of his interviews. I can't see it becoming laws, but I know that many doctors are doing it when he talks about euthanasia, right? And yeah. so and what he's saying is that we don't need... He, what he's trying to say is we don't need really to talk about laws because actually... In the in, behind the curtains, many doctors it's happening have, anyway. Yeah. It, it, this it, is exactly what I was talking about. This is the doctrine of double effect. This is exactly that. My argument, yeah. It was my point to when Thomas said, when you said before, Thomas, that they, you know doctors wouldn't want to do it. I think for every doctor that wouldn't want to do it, there'd be a doctor who would want to do it. No, no, but it's not that. It's not that, Cam. The, the problem is this: unless it's law, we're not protecting those good doctors. Not protecting the people who want to do it. And my point to Jeff, sorry, Jeff, but my point is I'm going to Elon Musk you, Jeff, because Elon Musk just offered to pay $6 billion to end world poverty, but the World Health Organization couldn't tell him how the $6 billion would be spent or how indeed it would end world poverty. The question I keep hitting you with is how is $170 million going to improve anything for the people who are already dying, they're in palliative care, end of life care, and how much better could that $170 million be spent? And all you keep saying is, oh, it's going to help. That's not... Yeah, but Cam, Cam, 
I've said it already three times now, so I don't think it needs to be repeated. Just listen back to its, um, the podcast again. Yes. Going, back, going back to Louise's comment, um, it's very true. What they do is that they, they know this person has a terminal illness. Mm. They know that this person is going to die at some stage. They know that giving them morphine and other drugs is going to end their life sooner. But that is very different. That is what palliative care is. It's letting them die with dignity. Yeah. Which is very different, which is very different from actually turning around and eventually saying to that person, do you want me to give you a big, big dose that will end your life in 30 seconds? And but that's a very different thing. Still haven't answered the question. But how, how can it be with dignity when those people are, can sometimes go through up to a week of pain, Longer. screaming, and not only pain and screaming, their family members are there and seeing a total destruction of their loved one. How could you say that it is, it is good? How could you say that, that, that putting more money to now, let's, now that we're putting 170 million, do you know what? Palliative care now is going to ensure that the way that you die is not going to be in seven days, but it's going to be in seven weeks. Really? Is that going to improve my, my lifestyle? Or, or are they talking about gonna, now? Yeah, giving it's going to improve the shareholdings. Seven weeks is a bunch better for the share price, surely. <laughs> so I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure, Jeff, but, but I, I'm saying this. Out of, here's the question. Out of the 84,000 that you're saying are claiming this, how many would not be in that situation had we pumped in money to people who in the twilight years of their life really had the comfort that governments and precedent governments have promised them. If you pay your tax, if you work this way, if you lead an honest life, this is what you'll be getting when you retire and can go on a cruise for whatever time you want. Yeah. That's what I would have told him in the living years. Instead, instead, Jeff, this is what they, we're getting. We're getting doctors right now who have to break their values, lie, in order to let certain people go first. We have elderly people who actually have to take a job somewhere only for cash, because if it's not cash, well, I'm, I'm going to lose part of my pension, therefore also breaking my values in order to survive. The doctors aren't breaking their values. They're helping and facilitating a person to eventually die with dignity. That's it is in New We're the ones who are helping people I, die, Jeff. I would love, I would love to ask the doctors and the nurses, okay, who were administering administering morphine every four hours to my nan. If what, I would love to ask them if they felt they were betraying their values, knowing full well, full well, the only outcome was death. Let, me, let, death. let, me, just, so, let me just bring a personal. Jeff, you've pissed Louise off. There's no hope for you, mate. No, no, off to palliative no, care no, for no, you. No, no, no. Let, we have our disclaimer. I'm all good. No. Let me, let me, let <laughs> no, me don't back down, Louise. Don't you back down. No, but, but but the thing is, like this doctrine of um, double effect that I'm talking about, okay, it says that if doing something morally good has morally bad side effects. It's ethically okay to do it, providing the bad side effect 
wasn't intended. So what I'm, put yourself in the doctor's mind, shoes, morals, everything. They know what they're doing inevitably ends in death, okay? It's not their intention, but they know in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is, is hastening someone's death. So it is, in a nutshell, they're providing a euthanasia, whether they believe it or not. But, you know, it, it, going back to the... It's, it's not for euthanasia, Louise. I hate to... Jeff's just seen dollar signs, mate. He's seen 170 mil and he went, yep, let's do that. It's not euthanasia. It's not voluntary because the person in this instance wasn't competent. So, so how do you, how, so versus, yeah, it's still euthanasia. It's completely, uh, the the patient doesn't have consent anymore. So, how can that be voluntary? It's not. That's but what I said. It's, it's involuntary. It's involuntary. From but it's from a, from a, just, from, just briefly, just before I've just got to duck off, but just briefly, I want to just give you a little bit of personal. One, I've worked in a medical industry for a long time and worked in hospitals a long time, and I've actually seen um, one person very close to me um, that actually had cancer, cancer for probably two and a half, three years. And... Um, we sort of actually had to live through that. And mm. that was my wife. Mm. And she died at a very young age. Now, she went to a private hospital. Yeah. So that's part of the business. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to sit there with my daughter and watch her eventually die in a palliative care unit. So I think what they do in palliative care units is of utmost importance. I could not stress the importance of what they actually do because number one, I've worked in the medical industry a long time. Number two, I've seen a personal. Number three, I know many clinicians and doctors that also go through this. It's not a dilemma to them because they know what they're doing. It's not, and they're doing it. So, you know, I, I think to myself that the whole argument that you have with voluntary assisted dying you know, only a couple of places in around the world actually do do this. Palliative care is done in every single country in the world. It's done everywhere. It's done in all the small hospitals in the back of nowhere land. Palliative care is so important. And we should actually invest a lot more time and energy in palliative care because it is, it's the utmost importance for dignity. Mm. Jeff, can I ask a question, mate? If if your wife had wanted to die, she didn't. No, I'm not saying she did. If if she had wanted to go, because the pain was too much, and the pain she was putting you guys through was too much, and there was no avenue for that to happen, none. She didn't want to die. I, I know. I know. Nobody, nobody of young age wants to die. That's Look, a, a very simple as that. And I don't know of anyone that does. I know, mate. But that's a, that's a shoe. That's the shoe we're trying to wear, mate. No one, no one has been through what you've been through, so it's not. No, but the point is to keep this. There is a personal side to this story, and there's also a um a logical side to the story. 
most people in and Louise brought it up. Most people, even though they say, "Give me the tablets, give me the, whatever the injections, give me whatever," they mm -hmm. don't want to go through it because fundamentally, most people don't want to die. Mm. That is true. Is, is palliative and, care helping that? Yeah, but that, that that is that is in the states that Louis got right because in Belgium, uh, when when the law came into effect, there were one the first out of the first one hundred people who applied, they've allowed forty eight of them, and out of the forty eight, actually eleven of them said no, we don't want to proceed. So twenty five percent desist. So it, it, I don't think we have enough of a sample really to say the real percentage, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to also have to be careful about this because to say, however, it is true that the minute that people have the choice of the, to make the, their own decisions, they can do certain things. It's a bit like, you know, with COVID, same thing. If we had the choice, it's probably going to be a very different kind of a game. But at this point here, Jeff, I'm not talking about reducing palliative care. I think that palliative care has got its place and, and palliative care has got its, its real thing. But I... I do believe that maybe the premier is riding a wave of what just happened in, in Queensland. Also what just happened with the death of Dr. Rodney Smith, who's been a very, very prominent figure as a doctor going around and assisting over 200 people with assisting their own death. And I think that he's trying to, to me, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, that this is how the, the world is thinking it, but to me, there is a bigger need for the moment when I see the elderly uh, being, being in great health and yet cannot fully live. Maybe there is a greater need to inject that, that's all. Mm. I cannot disagree with that, Thomas, because I agree with that. Um, like I said, the, the bucket needs to be a bigger bucket. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going further, Jeff. I'm, I'm saying maybe the 170 million should go there. Mm. Well, you know, it really. <laughs> well, well, it's a small thing. Thanks for your time today, mate. You take care. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks all the best, mate. Right. Right. Keep, keep him honest, Louise. I will. I have done for a long time now. No. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Uh, hey, mate. You just pissed him off, man. <laughs> I want to say this. Uh, I mean, obviously. You just pissed him off. Oh, well, you got to ask a question, mate. But we're not what, here. What, what are you here for if we can't ask the question? Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome. we're, we're all, and I want to go back to Louise's point about the people not doing it once they had the choice, right? So we're all reading Think and Grow Rich at the moment. We all just read a chapter on fears and one of the six great fears in everyone's life is fear of death. Mm. So I believe, much like the US experiment, given the choice, given the choice, there would be a lot of people who would choose not to end their life because the fear of death doesn't have a time limit. The fear of death doesn't have a, an age bracket on it. I think anecdotally, you'd think that the older you get, the more okay you become with the fact that you're going to die. But I, I think here too, you would see that there would be people who, uh, as hard as they are voting for this law to be passed and as hard as they think 
it should be a part of society, which we all agree it should. You should have the choice. There is going to be a large portion of those people who don't do it because the fear of death, as described by Napoleon Hill, is so great in, in all of us that when it comes time to push the button, the thumb gets a bit quivery and, and do you actually push the button? So, are they scared of dying or are they scared of not being with their family anymore? I don't know, mate. I'm not Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm asking, I'm, that's a, I'm posing the question because is it there are those that are not pushing the button, wanting to be with the family, just aren't at a point where they've had enough pain? Well, the fear uh, of death, no, the fear of death can is a fear of death, fear of leaving your loved ones, fear of the pain you're going to cause your loved ones, fear of all those things that don't tend to come into it when people commit suicide, right? When people commit suicide, um, none of those questions really get asked because it's it's an extremely mm. bucket. It's an extremely selfish act, and they don't consider the effect it's having on yeah. other people yeah. and, and uh, yeah, short-term fix to a long. I disagree with you, man. If I, can't, if I can't have access to voluntary assisted, assisted death, maybe suicide is my only option. Yeah. Yeah. At, at those points, I'm talking about I've had a bad day. I'm going to jump off a bridge. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But mm. it doesn't really happen. But I, I'm just saying a lot of people who commit suicide are, are people who actually are in despair with the current condition be it that it is so how much of the how much of the suicide rate is people who don't have any other option because legally they can't right so they haven't asked them so that's what i mean that's what you're talking about so how many people because there's we got we got 14 year olds killing themselves right because someone picked on them on facebook yeah that's happening yeah that's absolutely, and we, we, we know that the, the incidence of, uh, of young teenagers, girls have actually doubled in the last 10 years because yeah. of Facebook. We know all that stuff. So there's, that, there's that suicide rate, and then how much of that suicide rate is made up of people who are terminally ill or have got a problem they can't get out of as far as that, who have no other option because the law won't allow it. Mm. So then how accurate are the su- suicide figures? Mm. Yeah. But the big, the big thing is, you know, what, what I, I, I think that the debate that we're having today is, is really about like liberty, you know, people's freedom. Yeah. And, exactly. I, and I see, I, I have the freedom to do whatever job I want in my life. Yes, I want to do, I have the freedom. And it feels to me like euthanasia is about economics. I hear there's 80,000, 84,000 uh, people like queuing up and I'm thinking, so if I make it legal, it's eighty-four thousand dollars times whatever thousands of dollars. Let's say fifty thousand dollars to to get someone to that that level. Like you, you think about it. If if I was a young person wanting to die in Belgium, I have to go through ten doctors. I have go through batteries of interviews. Go through every kind of. I mean, it's it's not cheap. These guys are making money. You know, these guys need to make money, and so. All, all of these things that is happening, and what, what's what's the end? You know, I, I just don't know. Anyway, um, I, I thought it was a, a good topic. There's plenty of things that we could really have said about. Um, uh, I think about this. It's. I, I think that there's a lot of fear of death in in this field. I I have said it many times already, and and I said it in the podcast uh, on the Stoics. 
I have no fear of death. Death no, means death means nothing to me. I have yeah, a say that when you got the button in your hand, brother. I don't know. I only have a fear of growing old with no money. That's the only fear I have because I can see it. I can in this society. You're fucked. You oh, are fucked. Yeah. You are true. fucked. It, you... Isn't it worse than death? Oh, it's a slow, 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 painful death. And then you're going to get to 89 and really be like, fuck, I'm about to die. And they're going to go, nah, because you're 89, we can give you a pacemaker and just fucking drag it out a little bit longer. People they talk about so oh, man, there's so many topics that come out of this. I think it's great we can explore them all. But people laugh Talks at me because you, I, people laugh at me because I say I'm I'm doing what I'm doing, so I don't have to rely on super or the pension when I'm older, right? Yeah. And they go, oh yeah, but well, sure, well, that's good. You fucking, you know, you're believing all the shit you see on social media. Have you seen what happens if you have to rely on the pension for the rest of your fucking life? <laughs> you imbeciles. You are so far beyond fucked, it's not even funny. You are so far beyond fucked. And that's the sad thing. I sit in front of people and they say, if you sell my house for this much, I'm going to lose my pension. And I go, yes, but you'll have $600,000 in your pocket and you yeah. might not need the pension, but they've been that conditioned. Yeah. Right? Conditioned to rely on the government the whole way through your fucking life so they can make money. They, they'll only give you one pillow, but they'll still be making an earn off you. Mm. The bit that is as much suffering as the Jeff has gone through, he couldn't answer, mate. Are they going to get two pillows for 170 fucking million dollars? Right? Or are they all going to have to suffer just as much, but someone's made an extra buck? And that's the fucking question. All right, next subject. So uh, what, what would you do if at the end of your life, guys, this is where we're going to ask you a final question uh, and you're having dementia. What would you want? What would you, what would you want to do? I wouldn't have to ask. My kids would off me in a second. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. What about you, Louise? What would you do? I would want to have the freedom of choice to make that decision. Um, and I've, and, you know, even though I'm not even at that age, hopefully where I need to even think about that, but I've always said, you know, if I become a burden on you or, or my children or my family um, or I'm in a position or a capacity where I can't, you know, if I'm, let's say I'm in a vegetative state, that's not, that's no form of life in my opinion. I would say, you know, I would, I would want the choice. I would want to have the choice to make that decision to, to not be here because I mean, like you, Thomas, I have no fear of dying. I know I'm only 37, but actually I'm 37 in a few weeks. Don't look a day over 45, so yeah. you're all right. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I've had a small life and a, and a limited life, but I feel as though I've lived a good life. If I died tomorrow, I would die happy. Really, honestly, in my whole truth, that I would not have a problem with it, but I don't want to. But, you know... I wouldn't want to live any other way than what I'm living now. So I would like the choice. I reckon the day someone's got to change a nappy on me, shoot me in the fucking face. That's... <laughs> well, you know, it's like. Because I'm not going to make a pretty yeah. corpse anyway. So just fucking do it. 
you know, yes. this this cam, like it's exactly like what Thomas said late, earlier with rela- relation to the lady that he sat down and spoke to. How inhumane is it to see our dogs or our pets suffer when they're suffering terribly? We don't even hesitate. We don't think twice. It's it's totally legal. Shoot the bastard. Yeah. Yeah. If you live out where I live, that's what you do. But if you live where you live, you probably go to the vet and do it. I don't know. But, you know. It, I go to Wild. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a choice we have that we can make for our, you know. And so, I don't know. Like, I just think, you know, we should have those choices for humans as well. Yeah, that's nice. Chris. Yeah, mate, I'd, I'll have my affairs in order. I've seen it done a couple of times already. I'd have my affairs in order. And when the can't, decision can't be made for me, I would have been very, very clear in my wishes by the time I got there. Shit wine for everybody. Good. Shit wine for everybody. <laughs> Sell my estate and buy some grange. <laughs> my, only pro- my only problem with Thomas's plan, because he's told his kids to walk him out the back and shoot him many, many times. If it's for me to send you little bastard. <laughs> my, only, my only problem with your plan is that's putting it on your kids to pull the trigger, not yourself. So that's... Yeah. It would be yeah, it would be my wishes set in set very very clearly from the onset, mate. Dementia doesn't happen overnight. Um, exactly. I witnessed it firsthand, uh, but it does happen. And when wishes are put in place, it makes the decision for your loved ones very very easy later on. So exactly, exactly. you'd think so. No, it does, mate. No, does. I did, mate. I just. I'm going to dig a hole, but anyway, let's get the shovels out. Do you know the difference between Hang a hole and a Hang grave, Cam? Yeah, well, that's what I'm about to talk about. So, well, do, you know, do you know the difference between a hole and a grave? What's that? How hard you dig. So stop yeah, digging. I'm, no, I'm going to dig. I'm going to dig. <laughs> you know why I'm going to dig? You know why I'm going to dig? I'm going to dig because Upa wanted his grave, mate. Upa wanted his grave, but someone else in the family decided, no, fuck Upa's wishes. He's only bought the burial plot next to his family 30 fucking years before he died, and that's all he wanted to be. But someone else in the family decided, you know what? Nah, he wants to be cremated, and that's a decision, and that's what we're going to do. So poor Upa, who couldn't remember the last few years of his life and could only get one pillow at Nepean Hospital and got a pacemaker when he was 81. All he wanted to do was be buried next to his parents and instead he's been cremated and then buried next to his parents. So the poor bloke is wondering, when are you going to stop killing me? All he wanted all he wanted was to die and be buried next to his parents, but no, couldn't even have that because people's agendas come into play. Mm. Right. And there's my whole dug, and you'll never ever see me again. And um, thank you. But that's yeah, it's not about you can have all the wishes in the world, and that's you know, TL asked before, and I sort of broached the subject that when when you can't make the decision for yourself and people are making that decision for you, what's the agenda on the plate? So the unfortunate thing is, Cam, that obviously the, the person that the powers that be were making the wrong decisions on his behalf and not his wishes, not following through his wishes. That's very unfortunate. But when those wishes are followed through and they're very, very clear from your parents, it makes the decision very easy, mate. It pretty does. sure if you buy a and burial plot next to your parents, the it's pretty clear what your wishes are. Yes? Yeah, look, uh, there's no question. I'm not uh, going to comment. Uh, yes, yes, I agree. It is for your wife. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, well, yes, no, but wife... 
Wife didn't even get a decision, mate. <laughs> it was, it was taken away from the rock. Uma didn't even get to decide where her husband went. And then, the, hey, the funeral, the, 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 the cemetery that one cremated him and made an urn and then two buried him and made an urn, said it's this much if you just want to bury him and it's an extra $450 if you want people at his burial to stand on the grass. Yeah. It's not cheap dying, I can tell you that. Oh, mate. Mate, mate, 170 million. 170 million they're getting. (laughs) I I think it's to to make uh, death commercial is wrong. I think I love to be buried on uh, the piece of land where I live. And I think I'd like to just go voluntary uh, with a uh, 25 cents bullet. I think it's uh, it's safe, everyone. There is no manufacturing of barbiturates or any kind of drugs involved. I'm never going to find your body, brother. I've already organised that. So <laughs> just... oh. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to do that then. So, <laughs> so let's, let's start with this topic. Listen, I don't know who the hell came up with this the topic this week. It was really heavy. I, I just yeah. need us to stick to what we know best, which is women. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go back to this topic, it was so hard. It was so hard because I think that, you know, the, the topic we're talking about is everyone's got their own opinion. And I think if we're talking about respect, maybe we need to respect everyone's opinion. It's, it's a, an end of life. This is the last bit of someone's life. Let them do the way they wish. What we haven't had on, what we didn't get today was one person, even the Jeff, say that people shouldn't have the right to choose their own destiny. Exactly. All right, so I don't think what we've done here is disrespect anyone's belief. If you believe that people don't have the right to choose, I need to understand why because I can't. We're very good on here at playing both sides and, and being able to put it, the shoe on the other foot and try and imagine what it would be like to be on the other side. But yeah. But even the Jeff didn't say that people shouldn't have the right to choose whether they live or die. So yeah, um, I don't think we've crossed that line to you where we're not respecting other people's opinions. I think it was no, no, no. Just talking about got... I'm talking about the fact that it's not legislated. You know. Anyway, so what what uh, what are we doing next week? Why don't we put it out there again and ask the uh, audience to write in and see what give us some suggestions. Yeah, we can, but wait, some dumb dude in audience is going to make it even uh, tougher okay. than euthanasia. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Is we, vanilla we... ice cream better than chocolate ice cream? I don't know. No, I'm just thinking about like what, what we we, uh, we decided because during the lockdown, we spoke about all of these issues of, of lockdown. Now that lockdown's finished, we've made a decision that we're going to talk for a little while about you know, uh, men, women, and because I think it's a big subject. Do you know why? Because I think I, I look at my children, I look at other young people. I, I think that they, I'm not going to say they've lost the, the, the notion of men versus women, but there is so much running them these days, you know, do you, 
you, you, you go out to the bar with a girl and she's got one too many drinks. Well, don't, do not touch. If you, if you do this, you do that, you, you got to have to be very careful. If you say this at school, uh, it could be bullying. And, it, and if you do it online, it's cyber. I mean, it's crazy world for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so because of all of these things, I think that a lot of these children, they actually started to stop thinking about some of the natural way that we do, and, and Jordan Peterson has taught us this thing, let men be men, and, and let's not try to turn men into lobsters who've, who've lost the battle. And so I'm, I'm just thinking maybe uh, let's go back to one of those topics where, you know, who gives a shit? I, nobody listens to our stuff anyway. So we'll be talking about men versus women like in the old days. Just so we're clear, if I've had one too many drinks, you're all allowed to touch me, okay? It's all right. <laughs> Well, you already know that, mate. You already a, know that. I, did, I don't need it tattooed on my forehead, okay? We're good. Oh, we're, good we're good to go. All right. So we'll have a think during the week. We'll come up with something. Topic, if our audience can tell us, because there's a lot of audience who's listening, but you guys are not coming up on screen because you're shy. And let me tell you why. Because you're scared of what society could think of you if you were putting your name on it. It's a shame. So shame on you. <laughs> I'm only saying what Chris was going to say, but I I thought that I'd just uh, be the one to blame for in case you're not happy. But hey, Louise, what do you guys think? Louise, done a good job? Done a good Wonderful. job. Man. Am I allowed back? There was too much agreeing. We'll talk afterwards. <laughs> we, we, I don't know. We have to make a decision, right? So, I, But I, I, I like Louise. I like Louise. I think that uh, she gave, uh, she brought intelligence to our podcast. And, and I, I think know what's going to happen when we pick a topic that Louise doesn't agree with, and that excites me. Well, that's I don't know if you can see the table tipping slightly, but I'm excited. So. Yeah, well, that's when I said we get WWE. What is it, Cam? Like, <laughs> <laughs> roll wrestling. Thank you very much for today, team. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys.